It's not often that we get to watch as a new cruise line comes into the world. But in 2016, the colorful entrepreneur Sir Richard Branson announced the creation of what was at first Virgin Cruises. We've watched for almost three years as details have come in about this exciting new line, including its new name. I'm Billy Hirsch, and we're talking about Virgin Voyages on this episode of the Cruise Habit Podcast. You're about to set sail on the Cruise Habit Podcast, an audio voyage through the world of ships, ports, and beyond. Welcome aboard. Before we get started, I want to mention that while the goal is to talk about a lot of the stuff we know so far about Virgin Voyages, um, I can't go into all of the details because two-hour podcasts might not be as, uh, as exciting for some as I might like because uh, I do like talking about this stuff. But you can find a lot of additional details, including renderings, pictures, things like that, even deck plans, over at cruisehabit.com. And in the show notes, which you can find over at cruisehabit.com slash podcast, and then just go to this episode, um, we'll, uh, we'll put some links in there to some of the specific pages. That out of the way, let's talk about the who. Who started Virgin Voyages? Uh, not surprising to most of you, that is Sir Richard Branson. He's uh, He's the the proprietor of a number of different companies, Virgin Records, Virgin Holidays, Virgin Air, Virgin Mobile, Virgin, insert here, right? And he's a very successful, um, rather um, uh, rather flamboyant. He, he's, he's really, he's got a great presence. He's, he's an interesting guy to, uh, to listen to. But um, he also notably, just because we're going to be talking about cruising, and, uh, and that involves the Caribbean, he actually owns his own private island. It was one of the his first huge purchases, uh, he owns, it's called Necker Island in the British Virgin Islands, and he uses it to host himself and guests and sometimes events that he, uh, that he uh, sets up. Uh, and it's also a high-end rental property. Interesting thing that I like to talk about with Necker Island, getting sidetracked already this early in the podcast, is that he originally went to see it. They were asking $6 million uh, in 1978 for this property. And they he, he expressed interest. His, his only big company then was Virgin Records. And they, they flew him on a helicopter out to the island, climbed to the top of this hill, saw the outlook, said, this is amazing, said, I'll give you $100,000. And they quickly escorted him back. Well, a year later, the person that ended up owning the island really needed some money. And one year later, instead of $6 million, he paid $180,000. Not bad. Granted, he ended up putting, a, I believe, about $10 million into it. So Richard Branson, interesting guy, has experience in a lot of different types of businesses, including travel, and he is the founder. Tom McAlpin, uh, a name that many of you may have heard, and if not, you're certainly familiar with some of, uh, some of his work. He was selected early on as the to be the president and CEO of Virgin Voyages. While his original background is actually in finance, I think he was an auditor, financial auditor, at the beginning, he's one of the founding executives uh, of Disney Cruise Line. And after uh, after a, a long tenure there, he went over to The World, which uh, has a ship called Residency, and he was CEO of The World. Uh, Residency is a an all-condo ship. People live there. It's really impressive. We should probably write about that sometime. And then in 2014, he came over to Virgin Voyages. So really, Tom McAlpin is somebody that has historically run some very different 
um, kinds of uh, cruise lines. I don't even really want to call the world a cruise line because it's not. But yeah, he, he's got relevant but unique experience. And there are a lot of other, of course, important people here. Virgin has, they're based here in South Florida where I am. In fact, they're based just down the street from where I used to live. And they've been pulling talent from across the industry. Um, and I mean, whether it's uh, their, their chief lead engineer, I think came from Royal Caribbean. Uh, their head of people was at, um, I don't remember now, but 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 a lot of the, 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 the executives, but also people in sales, other, other operational positions, um, they've really been pulling a lot of talent, especially from the cruise industry, but from, uh, from other virgin companies, other travel companies, and other companies of all sorts. Uh, they, they, they're getting people that know what they're doing. That much is clear. And it's been interesting to watch them as kind of a local South Florida business develop. Um, they have a reputation so far in, in a short amount of time as being a fantastic employer, and they emphasize that in their corporate culture. So what? Uh, well, Virgin Voyages, they're a cruise line, right? And um, they they won't call themselves a cruise line, though. N not, not in any of their marketing, though. They, they want to be different. We're going to talk about that. But starting from the ground up, they have uh, they've decided to build ships. Oftentimes, new cruise lines, not that new cruise lines come along all the time, but oftentimes uh, they, they buy existing ships. And they might be old, they might be reasonably new, sometimes even uh, ships that, uh, that haven't been used yet that are just coming off the shipyard after cancellation or something like that. But I can't remember the last time, certainly it happens, but I can't remember the last time we had a cruise line with, uh, with large ships that started from, from nothing. But uh, Richard Branson, an ambitious man, and you know I'm sure knows how to raise the capital and has the capital himself to, uh, to make this happen. So coming in with brand new ships, new designs, ships that look quite different. The very first is going to be Scarlet Lady, and she comes in at about 110,000 gross registered tons, um, 20, carrying 2,700 passengers. In total, there are, there are three more in the works. So there are four ships already in the works. Initially, I think they announced that there would be three, and then they added a fourth later, even before opening up bookings or anything like that. So they seem confident, and uh, and that's pretty neat. The Scarlet Lady and, and I believe all of the first ships are part of the uh, part of Fincantieri Shipyard's Project Millie platform, and this is an interesting thing. Um, if you look at MSCC side, um, NCL's Project Leonardo vessels. I'm trying to think if there are any others out there right now, but these are also part of Project Millie. And this is a, a project from the shipyard that, listen, it's about benefiting everyone. Of course, the shipyard's job is to make ships that they can sell to cruise lines, right? Um, so for the cruise lines, they're saying, hey, we're moving public, uh, heavy public spaces. We're moving pools, all of that down to lower decks, to lower center of, the gra center of gravity. That means you can have larger, higher ships, uh, which means in addition to other things, more decks full of uh, staterooms that actually generate revenue. So that's uh, there's a lot that goes into Project Millie, but that is uh, the, the general idea. In terms of Scarlet Lady herself, there's been a big focus whenever they've talked about it, whenever they've showed renderings that you can see over on the site on ocean views and, uh, and also the environment. They're doing uh, heat recapture and other things like that. Then there, there will be some practices outside of the construction of the ship around uh, environmental conservation awareness as well. On to the why. Um, it's, you know, of course, to make money, right? But why, why a cruise line? If you're Richard Branson, you can create any 
number of types of companies, you, you find markets that that need you, right? That uh, that you can really make a difference in. And I, I think Richard Branson, he's so familiar with travel with with Virgin Holidays. If you're not familiar, by the way, Virgin Holidays is one of the largest uh, holiday providers, vacation providers in uh, in Europe. They put together. They already they sell cruises. I mean, they're they're essentially like a giant travel agency and tour agent and just all sorts of things in one. They sell cruises. They obviously work with Virgin Air and and other airlines. Uh, a lot of land tours and things like that. So there's already a level of familiarity certainly there. And looking at the numbers, like I think anyone that's going to be creating a company like this does. They saw untapped markets. You know, people that maybe they think could be cruisers, could enjoy cruising, but um, either aren't or at least aren't to the capacity they think they could. Um, we hear a lot of CEOs, I'm thinking specifically Frank Del Rio uh, from uh, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, talk about it being a capacity-constrained market, saying, listen, there are all these ships being built right now because if there were more ships, if there were more staterooms, then there would be more people cruising. So from you know, if that holds true, if if that vision is accurate, that's really impressive. So that means that somebody that has the the know-how can create a cruise line and really make something impressive. Um, I think also what's been identified, and we're seeing other cruise lines work toward this now, is that traditionally premium and luxury lines have aimed for somewhat older demographics, and they've offered more classic experiences. But there are uh, people that are maybe a little younger than the than the marketing and the the branding and the the experience themselves have often catered towards that uh, can't afford and are looking for higher end experiences, more more premium or luxury, even experiences. Uh, this goes along with the trend of and I hate I hate using generational terms, but it's kind of un unavoidable when we're talking about things like this. But this goes along with uh, all the data that shows that millennials want to spend money on experiences and not things, right? So you look at that and you say, well, there's not really a cruise line that focuses on those more premium experiences for millennials. Um, we, we see that uh, celebrity with Celebrity Edge and Celebrity Revolution that they're either, I don't know if it's that they're making a pivot or that they are um, just adding some options that resonate differently with different demographics. And that's something that's, I think, relevant to Virgin Voyages. And really, it'll be really interesting to see how they, they compete with each other. Um, there's also Viking Ocean. Now, Viking has been around for a while as a river cruise line. And a number of years ago, they created Viking Ocean. They, everyone thought, okay, they're competing with Oceana and lines like that. And I think they thought that as, as well. It turns out they had a lot of success with younger people, with affluent millennials who wanted a more premium experience, um, something that was more inclusive. I, I try and avoid saying all inclusive because nothing is all inclusive. You don't just go into the, you, you can sail Regent or Silver Sea or Crystal. If you go into the shop, they're not just giving you the watch, right? Um, so looking for for more inclusive, higher end experiences with, with better um but offering just better experiences overall from a, a service quality and maybe even crowd standpoint. Uh, Viking had the success with with millennials kind of by accident. And since then, as they've matured as a company, you've seen them make adjustments uh, that I believe are are intended to to better 
hone in on that. I think Virgin looked at this this opportunity. They saw what Viking Ocean was doing. Um, maybe even they they had knowledge, you know, from from market from from industry research of what other cruise lines were doing, how they were how cruise lines were going to adapt to uh, to new people looking to cruise or cruise differently, and they saw this opportunity. So that's um that's what we're uh, that's kind of the why as far as I believe it. Obviously, I'm not in Richard Branson's head. I'm not a sea level cruise line executive. So you know, feel free to uh, feel free to write podcastcruisehabit.com and, and tell uh, tell me that I'm all wrong there. Uh, where well, uh, I can tell you where they're starting. We know where they're starting out. We do not know after you know the initial season and as there are additional ships, but they're going to be starting out in South Florida. Uh, Scarlet Lady, their first ship will be home ported in Port Miami, and they will be sailing to Havana, the D- Dominican Republic, uh, Costa Maya, and a surprise location, which we expect to be some sort of private island that they haven't announced yet, whether they'll be leasing from somebody else or maybe they're developing something that they've kept under wraps. We'll see. Uh, they, in, in Port Miami, by the way, they are building a new terminal, which we're seeing. We're going to have an upcoming episode about that, actually. A lot of cruise lines doing uh, to to reduce friction, to, to make that cruise experience just awesome as soon as you get there. Um, terminal 25 just being one of them with Celebrity. We, you saw that when we went over Edge on our recent sailings. Fantastic facility. Well, Virgin is doing that as well, but interestingly... Their facility at Port Miami won't be ready until late 2021, even though the line's going to start sailing in April of 2020. So not sure. There's a lot of speculation as to why that is um, from zoning and deals that fell through. Who knows? But uh, but they will be home ported uh, at very least in the beginning in Port Miami. And they will be operating four basic itineraries. And I say four basically because the order of the port sometimes changes. But they have four and five night sailings to uh, Havana. Uh, Havana after dark is what they call them. They'll have overnights there. And uh, some of those will include the, the secret location. Then five night Dominican days which, uh, as you can figure out, goes to the DR and secret location. And then five night Mayan Seoul, which uh, which also visits the secret location. So it's interesting that these are four and five nights. I certainly expected that they were going to be going with seven night itineraries. I think most people did. In fact, I noticed that even the Wikipedia article still says that they'll be operating seven nights. Again, my speculation um, is that they're going with four and five night itineraries, because they said, well, drawing people into a new cruise line, maybe that could be tough for a four or five night little, maybe gives them an opportunity to do a bit of a sampling. And if they want something longer, uh, a back-to-back is only nine nights. So it's only a little bit shorter than a seven night. And if you back-to-back it, it's only a little bit longer than a seven night. So who knows? Maybe that's uh, maybe that'll work out really well for them. We'll find out. Um, when I mentioned that uh, they're going to start sailing uh, spring of 2020, I believe the first sailings are April of 2020. Um, when can you book? Well, I'm ready to book, but I can't yet. You'll be able to book February 14th. That's why I believe I mentioned on, um, if you go back and listen just a couple episodes ago to our 2019 uh, preview episode, I said that this Valentine's Day would be the most expensive ever, and we don't even buy Valentine's Day stuff because uh, maybe not the most expensive. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, because that is when we will be booking Virgin Voyages first sailing, our, our first sailing with Virgin. There are, as I record this, a couple lucky folks that had the opportunity to, more than a couple, book already. And uh, that's because on February 5th, the the website turned on, 
the phone number was given out and guests uh, or future guests, future sailors, we'll get into that, who previously deposited $500 for the, the, the benefit, the perk of being able to book early before everyone else, uh, they were able to get in there and actually book. So there are now, as I speak, people that for over 24 hours now um, have actually been booked with Virgin Voyages. Uh, we did not deposit early. We wrote about it. We knew it was happening. We had every intention. Um, but I don't know if it happened faster or, or maybe slower than Virgin expected. But back when they did that, I think it was, I should have looked up the date. I think it was about a year ago. Uh, it happened fast. It was only a couple days that they were taking deposits. And then I think uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And nope, no more. So uh, that's all right. Only uh, only a couple more days before we get the opportunity to book and before you get the opportunity to book if you want. Uh, we'll, of course, get into to pricing um, in just a minute, but uh, we've got some details on the site there. So kind of a, a summary of a lot of this is the how, right? Richard Branson, uh, he's an individual with a lot of clout in business. He's created many successful businesses. He's well-connected. He has a lot of capital himself. He knows how to scale businesses. Um, he's He's built spacefaring vessels as uh, as rick actually put in the notes um you know with uh with virgin galactic so i'm pretty sure he knows how to hire the the right people to build ships uh, connected to that is that he's collected a lot of talent from around the industry as we discussed and finally his his business experience is not just varied but he has business experience specifically in uh, vacations and in, ho in holidays, especially in Europe, huge name in uh, in European holidays. Um, now, granted, up to this point, generally travel and holidays with Virgin has not been um, premium or high end, but uh, but nevertheless, relevant experience there. So let's uh, let's now get into some of the wow. We've talked about some of the things that uh, you know very fact based around Virgin Voyages, but there is uh, there are certain things that just really stand out that start to make you realize that Virgin is looking to create a rather unique product here. Uh, for starters, and this, this may be the biggest one for a number of reasons, uh, adults only. As they say, Scarlet Lady is adult by design. That's the way that they're talking about it. And what makes that interesting is it seems to me Cruise lines, um, to a degree, travel, travel, travel professionals in general, but I think it's it's really cruise lines. They've not done a good job of getting the messaging out that there are great cruise experiences to be had for people who don't want to be around kids and families, because there certainly are. Um, however, it's it's also fair to say that uh, that nothing currently exists that is what we expect Virgin Voyages to shape up to be. Um, so, so yeah, that's one that a lot of people are talking about, adults only. The next, and, you know, they released this information a while ago, and when they did, I thought, okay, that's to get people talking. And and you know what? It worked. We're talking about it right now. They're actually going to have on Scarlet, on Scarlet Lady a tattoo parlor. It'll be called Squid Ink. And there are all sorts of things that people brought up. Oh, moving ship. Well, I mean... <laughs> There are a lot of things I can think uh, that are, are funny about a tattoo parlor on a cruise ship, but the fact that it's moving really isn't one of them. Uh, the goal is for the ship not to move that violently, but uh, uh, we'll see. There, we actually have a whole article on Squid Ink you guys can check out. 
Um, all the dining venues on Scarlet Lady will be included in the price. This is like what we see in um, in the upper premium and light luxury luxury lines like Oceana, Regent, uh, Silver Sea, things like that, where they might have multiple dining venues, but they're all uh, complimentary. They're all they're all included with your fare. And in fact, Scarlet Lady is going to have, I believe, the number, if I recall, is twenty different options. Now, granted, some of those are in a uh, food court thing. We'll, we'll talk about that. So it's not twenty separate venues. Um, then complimentary Wi-Fi. That's going to be included, and I think that speaks partially to uh, expectations of a lot of guests, uh, especially those not familiar with cruising, but. Um, even more so within certain uh, certain age groups and things like that. There will be no gratuities or gratuities will be complimentary, however you want to uh, work that out. Something else that, as I said, we've seen with, uh, with other higher-end cruise lines. And there's going to be a big focus on fitness and activity. That's not to say there won't be bars or crazy desserts or uh, fatty foods or anything like that. But uh, they're including group exercise classes, for example, and that's something that we've seen other cruise lines sometimes charge for. Uh, they they keep going back to to um, to well being in a lot of their uh, their messaging. So so just those are some of the things that stand out to us. Um, it's also clear they're just really trying to be different. That's not a bad thing. Um, I do think that it has the potential to. Um, potential. I won't say it's going to happen. It has the potential to end up with them looking like they're trying to be different just to be different. So I'll give you a, a couple little examples. Um, I've worked really hard for a long time to call staterooms staterooms instead of cabins because that's what I grew up calling them. And Virgin Voyages, a lot of the stuff, um, they, they talk about nautical themes and, and it being like a yacht experience. So they're calling them cabins. That's okay. Um, what else? They've, um, oh, I know, it, uh, it's Virgin Voyages, not Virgin Cruise Lines. You're not going on a cruise, you're going on a voyage. And in fact, you are not a cruiser, you are not a passenger, you are not a guest, you are a sailor. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, if, if that gets, if some of these terms and things like that get picked up as nomenclature used by other guests or sailors, uh, or if it just ends up being, those uh, those working for the uh, the cruise line, but um, which I'm sure they have a different name for that I can't think of right now. <laughs> but uh, it is different. So I you know I mentioned the cabins thing a moment ago, and it is important to talk about the the accommodations because those are also um, they have some unique qualities to them. So the cabins, as they call them, clever cabins. They have some things that are common among them. For example, mood lighting. Uh, which can be controlled by an in-room tablet. Uh, and when I say mood lighting, a lot of um, deep blues, deep reds, things like that. We'll see what colors you can change. But in the renderings, which you can see over at cruisehabit.com, certainly they, they look interesting. Uh, flexible furniture. And I like this description. We've seen um, we've seen things like this on ships before. Um, Disney did a couple interesting things a while ago with just with some tables. Um on Celebrity Edge, they have kind of a, the vanity slides out of the way and recesses into the, the dresser. But on Virgin Voyages, or at least on Scarlet Lady, one of the things, uh, they have seabeds. 
And essentially the idea is, well, usually not using your bed during the day, usually not using your couch while you're sleeping. So you have to go check out the pictures at cruisehabit.com to see what I'm talking about there. But the bed kind of turns into a couch, if you will. Don't think futon. It's nothing like that. Uh, it's an interesting idea. And, uh, and they've got some other things with the furniture and even the shape of the room um, instead of being a square uh, Epic tried things like this and Norwegian on Epic. And we've seen, we've seen a, a, an attempt to depart from the, the very um, rectangular staterooms and whatnot. Though granted, these things are, they're still modular. So we'll see how much that departure really means. Um, the, the suites, if you, if you are tempted to, uh, to enjoy the sweet life, if you, if you have the funds to enjoy the sweet life, well, Virgin Voyages is calling these Rockstar Suites. And typical of what we see with other cruise lines, there's going to be a suite-only area. Um, I believe it's called Richard's Retreat. And we posted some renderings of that, geez, maybe uh, months or even a year ago. Um, but they, the, the categories of suites are, are pretty interesting. Um, and they feature a lot of the same things that the, the, the clever cabins do in terms of mood lighting and, uh, and electronic, uh, electronically controlled blackout shades and stuff. Interestingly, though, one common thread is that a lot of the suites have either peekaboo or peek-a-view, depending on which uh, type of suite, peekaboo or peek-a-view uh, showers. And they're showers with, with windows. And they're, they don't seem to be clear windows, but like... Um, if you've ever seen either a car or a, a handbag or any number of things that um, is kind of iridescent, maybe changes color depending on the angle at which you look at it, that is uh, that looks to be the type of windows. But it'll be interesting. And then uh, I think actually the the peekaboo or I forget which one's which, but in in one of the uh, suite types, it's actually open to uh, open above. I, I think. Um, I think that's in the, the suites that are located above the, the bridge, if I'm not mistaken. So just some, some interesting things there. They'll also treat you like a rock star. Red carpet entry, and there will, of course, be a team of people to help. And in the highest level of suites, there's even going to be, as they describe it, a rider that you'll fill out. And I think they gave the example of, do you want, uh, do you want a whole bunch of uh, just red gummy bears? Um, whatever you're into. So it's interesting. They're, they're putting their little flair on it. The rooms do look really impressive. Um, one of the types even has a dedicated music room. Some neat stuff. You should definitely check out the, the renderings. Everyone wants to talk about dining. Anytime we talk about cruising, even people that say, oh, cruising is just eat, eat, eat. They still want to talk about dining. And I'm not going to get into every venue because as I mentioned, there are about 20 options that Scarlet Lady is going to have. But just a couple of things that stand out. For one, there will be in a venue called uh, Razzle Dazzle, a drag brunch. And uh, there will be other meals in Razzle Dazzle as well. Razzle Dazzle, by the way, it's going to be styled. Um, if, if you've ever seen old World War I ship paint jobs, uh, military ship paint jobs, they have these weird black and white... Um, uh, patterns that are with sharp angles and it was a way of uh, camouflaging vessels and it was called razzle dazzle so that's uh, you see that theme carried into that venue in fact but one of the meals yeah will be a drag brunch um, that's something that we've seen on land is popular uh, and uh, really definitely something we've not seen on a ship yet so so that will be cool uh, that entire venue is going to have they described as a creative twist on vegetarian fare but uh, it's not a vegetarian restaurant in that they have, they're going to have a separate 
menu or separate add-on list of, um, of meat and also of uh, alcoholic beverages. So it's not it's not all about healthy uh, stuff, uh, though they will include they will be serving the Impossible Burger, which is if you know what that is, it's there. If you don't, uh, it's a veggie burger, but people seem to rave about it. It's very popular at the moment. We'll see. Um, see, I, I think their their line on Razzle Dazzle is uh, delivers a healthy dose of nice with just the right amount of wrong. It's definitely an interesting looking venue. The fact that they're doing the drag brunch is going to be really, uh, really something different and cool to to watch. They've got uh, some themed cocktails along with that drag brunch with uh, with funny names that unfortunately I can't remember at the moment. Um, but yeah, that they, there are, uh, there's also going to be a, uh, an upscale Mexican venue and a number of, uh, of different restaurants, again, all included with your cruise fare. What you won't find, however, there's one type of venue you won't find. That's a buffet. They will have what they're calling a food hall. Again, uh, another, yet another thing that we do see on land. We see some that's a, a very trendy or an up and coming thing on land food hall. You can think of it like, um, you know, on land, it's kind of the idea of a food court, but not with a bunch of individual, like, quick service, higher quality items. Um, it's, it, I don't know. It's tricky for me to describe. But uh, it, the the food hall is going to be called, I believe, the galley. And they're going to have a pastry, a pastry, a bakery, a pastry shop, a panini shop, a burger grill, taco shack, sushi bar, noodle bar, soup and salad stand, and uh, an American diner that will be serving food 24 hours a day. So they say that uh, that part of this is because there will be less waste um, than there would be with a buffet. And you know what? That, that may very well be true. I know that cruise lines have done a lot of work to reduce waste, but uh, I, I don't doubt that uh, that there will be less waste if they uh, if that is their goal. However, I think a, another big part of it is just, again, looking to appeal to folks that, uh, that maybe weren't, uh, you know, weren't, didn't find a lot of appeal in cruising before. And the buffet is something that's sort of iconic. So doing away with that while still uh, allowing for a huge variety in one space is something that uh, is probably, probably where they're trying to strike a happy medium, not changing something just in name only, offering something really different, but, uh, but with really solid appeal to, to a wide audience as well. You know, this is where if we were talking about a ship that's already out or maybe a ship that was just about to launch, something like that, um, we'd probably start talking about entertainment right after dining. And I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with entertainment because they, except for the drag brunch, it's not really been a discussion. I'm sure there will be something. How different will it be? Um, we've seen this trend recently with MSC Seaside, with Celebrity Edge, as well as Celebrity in general, but especially on Edge, uh, with more focus on the performers and their talents, whether it's singing, dancing, aerialists, acrobatics, things like that, um, or performance art, rather than um, linear storylines being the focus. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do, but generally entertainment is the last thing to come together with any uh, new cruise line or cruise ship. Um, one, they want to be able to sign notable People are, are creating notable shows too. There, there's a lot of timing. They, they don't want to do that too early because uh, trends change quickly. So we'll see. And you know that uh, we'll post as soon as we do learn about any of the entertainment on Virgin Voyages Scarlet Lady.
If some of this sounds interesting to you, and, and listen, frankly, for me, this all sounds pretty interesting, um, partially because of what they're offering, the, the details around what they're offering, partially just because it's different and different is exciting to me. So if it sounds exciting to you, you're probably wondering about cost. And I think since probably one of the very first articles that I wrote about Virgin Voyages when they first started putting information out there, before it was even called Virgin Voyages, in fact, um, I remember writing and, and saying to to friends and stuff that this is probably going to be expensive. And until just uh, as I'm recording this, until just yesterday, we didn't know. Uh, in fact, that's, that's the main reason that we didn't... Uh, record this episode until now is I, I wanted to wait for that for, for the details around itinerary and pricing to come out. What we're seeing is pretty much frankly what I expected. Um, I think I my the closest thing I gave to a prediction was about a week ago I told somebody that I think they'd be around DCL territory, Disney Cruise Line. Um, to give you an idea, I looked for the absolute cheapest sailing. Now they only had sailings from I think April through October up on the website and just one ship. So obviously there's we're looking at a limited sampling, but spanning, you know, a couple cruise seasons, if you will. And the cheapest that I could find for an insider or what they call an insider stateroom was uh, $1,450 US. And that is for two people. All of the prices on their website, unless you specifically select otherwise, are per stateroom and not per person. So $1,450 for an inside stateroom, insider stateroom for two people, four nights. That's $181.25 per person per night. Uh, that includes basic beverages like soda, drip coffee, filtered water. Um, that also includes, as mentioned, Wi-Fi, uh, gratuities, service charges, and all of the, uh, the restaurants, all the dining, but does not include taxes and port fees, things like that. So $181.25 per person per night. Uh, if you look at some of the cheaper DCL sailings, uh, I just did this exercise actually uh, yesterday, you'll see that they come in, uh, I believe, a little bit less than that. Uh, but then if I looked at some of those same sailings around the same type of time of year and looked at a veranda, the price per person per night was almost identical to what I was seeing on uh, Disney. And it follows with other times of the year. Now, those sailings, I believe those are for some uh, September sailings. So September is a really inexpensive time of the year to cruise the Caribbean. The prices definitely go up from there. Five-night Cuba sailings are the highest by far. That itinerary, for some reason, there's a, an awfully big leap uh, between the four- and five-night Cuba sailings in, in terms of cost. Now, now granted, if you work out the, if you work out the price per night, it's kind of on par, um, but it, it's still, I don't know, as we're browsing, it, it looked like a big gap. Um, and the first few months of sailings are definitely the the most expensive time. I think part of that is because a lot of people are going to want to get out there and be the first, and they're willing to pay for that privilege. Um, and the other part is just it's a more expensive time of year to cruise the Caribbean compared to, again, later on, like in September, where we saw those really cheap uh, rates. So, um if you want to see the most expensive, because I'll tell you, some of these suites are absolutely nuts. If you want to see the most expensive, 
check out the article where we talk about pricing. You can also see some other examples of prices. I'm not just going to read you numbers over and over again here, uh, but we talk about different categories for different itineraries and also the most expensive suite on the most expensive sailing. Uh, if you would like to purchase that, please remember your friends at cruisehabit.com. Call me. Um, so all of this from prices to to dining to the color of the ship, which is red, Scarlet Lady. Um, everything is, of course, subject to change. We still have almost a year. or I'm sorry, we have over a year before Virgin Voyages will begin sailing. So we'll see uh, what how things end up shaping up. We certainly expect more announcements, like I said, entertainment. There are still lots of unknowns. While we have the deck plans up um, over on the site, you'll see those deck plans also have lots of gaps in them, right? Where maybe they're just not ready to tell us, or maybe they don't know the exact details. So uh, look forward to seeing how it all shapes up. I can tell you that I anticipate booking on February 14th. I don't know exactly which sailing, which itinerary, what stateroom. Uh, it, it won't be that one I was telling you about. It won't, it won't be the, uh, I believe they call it the, not the gorgeous suite. Um, uh, whatever, it won't be that largest stateroom on the most expensive sailing, I'll tell you that. But we'll look to book on uh, on February 14th when that opens up to the general public and we'll let you know what we end up booking. It's it's exciting times. So I hope you enjoyed my, my summary uh, of what we know about Virgin Voyages so far. I hope you're excited. Even if you're not excited for Virgin Voyages, I'll tell you, everyone should be excited because competition is good. Um, you know, innovative ideas are fantastic. That is what drives every industry. So I'm really excited to see how, as excited as I am to see Virgin Voyages, I'm ex as excited to see how other cruise lines respond to Virgin Voyages. So if you have thoughts on this, we'd love to hear it. Uh, email us, podcast at cruisehabit.com. And uh, we'd love to uh, we'd love to talk ship about uh, about these things with you. Might even read your email on the air. And in fact, to that point, I know a couple of you have sent me emails that I haven't got to yet. We'll get there. Running behind in emails, but we will get there. Um, so again, that's podcast at cruisehabit.com. Maybe we'll get you on uh, on the air on a future episode. Before we sign off, I do want to take the opportunity to thank uh, some of you who took the time to give us a review over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you take the time to write a review, we will take the time to thank you. So thank you to uh, Cruise Radio Show fan Chuck Grigsby and Rick Flyer for the reviews. We're glad you like our podcast. If you like our podcast, do me a favor. Go over however you get the podcast, whether whether you download it on, on Pocket Cast or Stitcher, however you download it. Go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Tell us what you like. It would mean the world to us. Uh, another thing you can do, same thing I ask during my live broadcast, video broadcast. Find some content on the site or an episode of the podcast or a video that you like that you think is helpful and send that to someone else who will find it helpful, whether it's on Facebook you send them a text message, doesn't matter to me, just uh, sharing the content that you like with someone else who will also appreciate it. That helps us get the word out. And uh, and it really, both these kind of things, it, it means the, the world to us because uh, we do this because it's fun. However, uh, if there was no one else who uh, enjoyed it, uh, probably wouldn't do it. So thank you guys so much. Look forward to talking ship with you again real soon. And again, podcast at cruisehabit.com. Love to get your feedback there as well. Take care.
Hi, this is Matt from RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com and a friend of CruiseHabit.com. And do I have an opportunity for you? Social media, my boy, social media. Follow Cruise Habit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to the Cruise Habit podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Search Cruise Habit in the Periscope app to join the broadcast from Ship and Shore. They'd love to talk ship with you real soon.